Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Final Tackle Podcast. And I'm actually joined by a current part of the coaching staff of the Warrington Wolves, which is honestly a synonymous team. When you think of the Super League, you think of maybe four to five teams that come to mind, and Warrington are definitely one of them. Andrew Henderson, thank you very much for joining us here today, mate. No, you're welcome, CJ. Glad to be on the show. Now, nah, awesome. Um, so, first of all, the question on everyone's lips is what's yep. going on with the Super League? And in, <laughs> obviously, you're not a hundred. You can't give a hundred percent certainty because you're not the CEO. But from yes. a Warrington perspective, how are the players handling it, and what is the coaching staff doing to try and keep them, you know, um, motivated. motivated? Yeah, that's the word. Yeah, yeah. It's a, you know what? It's a it's it's a it's a real interesting challenge. You know, something you know I've never faced either as a player or as a coach, and obviously it's new for everybody. Uh, you know, it's certainly it's. It has been disruptive. Let's not let's not kid ourselves. It's uh, it's been disruptive you know, for everybody. You know, for everybody working within the club, uh, to all the fans, you know, of the team and and obviously of the Super League. But uh, yeah, in terms of when do we know if and when it's going to come back? I mean, the RFL and the and the Super League did a joint statement earlier this week, basically saying that the season has been suspended indefinitely yep. uh, until obviously further notice. So that could be end that's up being what we have to. That could. Absolutely, it, it could be it could be back on in a in a couple of months. It could be a few more months. It could be, like you said, not even coming to fruition uh, this season. So, uh, you know, we're we're sort of just going to continue with the mindset that we will return to play at some stage, and that's yep. the kind of mentality we've been adopting as, as staff and and for the players. Well, that's uh, the obviously, way you'd want to go for the for the go ahead. Sorry, continue. Well, you you have to, you have to, you have to, CJ. You have to plan that we're going to return at some point this season. You know, obviously, it's it is difficult when you don't know because normally when you plan, say for example, when you're planning your preseason exactly. and you're build, you're building up for the season, you know you've got say a six week block until Christmas, so you can yep. get a certain amount of workload into the players and here. Then the the players, and then that's right. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Then you know you've got your your month after Christmas, you're leading into your friendlies and then you're leading into the season. So the players have that outcome at the end of it. So each week they know they're progressing towards a, a greater outcome. And then once yep. you come into the season, you're going week to week with your games. The game is the outcome at the end of the week and everything's building up towards that. Now with this situation when is the outcome going to come? Like, when is that going to happen? Like, nobody knows. And then it's so it's a case of, well, how much training can you do? How hard should you go? How hard shouldn't you go? Then there's obviously the fact that we haven't got access to facilities. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of guys are having to sort of, you know, manufacture their own sort of, yep, train from you know, equip, sort of yeah, train from home and get their own equipment from different places and sources. So, I mean, this is affecting everybody. So it's not just us uh, as a team, but uh, but that's the challenge, isn't it? So, Obviously, the the S and C staff, the high performance team, you know, obviously been in touch with the players regularly. Uh, obviously, getting them to feedback. So there's a lot of a lot of trust, I guess, being put into the players, and a lot of autonomy being put into the players now. Uh, that they uh, are going to have to carry out the programs that, that that we're implementing, or that we're sort of asking them to carry out in their own time. Um, and they then obviously will feed back to the high performance staff in terms of their weight, their diet, how things are going, uh, in terms of their yeah you know, the targets that they're, they're trying to trying to achieve. And hopefully the, the lads will stay on track with that. And then when we do return, we'll, we'll soon find out won't we, who's been sticking to the program and who hasn't. You know, pretty quickly, but yep. um, yeah, but that—that's all you can really do. It's—it's it's just literally, you know, like I said, they—they've got programs that they are now being, you know, asked to work to and adhere to uh, as best they can with their situations. Uh, obviously, some players, but you know, at the end of the day, if they are having to self-isolate or, or aren't allowed, then you know, if they've got with their, because I know a couple of players have got babies on the way, things like that. So they're 
there are a, a, a lot of plays in different scenarios and situations, you know. So, um, yeah, so it is difficult, but like you said, we, we, we've We've put some programs in place for the players to to work to, and we've just got to be hopeful that they can do the best they can in in, in trying trying circumstances. But the reality is paramount, CJ, is is the health and well-being of the players. So, you know, we have said to those players, please do not put yourself in a position where you potentially can get yourself infected or cause infection to your family. You know, I mean, at the end of the day. You know, would rather you just if you, if you have to miss some training sessions because of it, then hey, that's the way it goes. You know, health yeah. and well-being is paramount at this moment in time. One hundred percent. So first of all, thank you for that. Um, you could say somewhat insider information from the Warrington camp for the Super League and and how they're going this season. So thank you very much for that. Um, yep. Crossing over to a bit of your playing career. Um, so yep. you played for Scotland in the two thousand and eight and two thousand and thirteen. I think on 2012 yes. World Cups. In 2008, you were in yeah. the squad with all of your with your your two other brothers. What was that like being not just at club level but at national level with your brothers, sort of thing? Yes, know? fantastic. It was awesome. I mean, I never never had the privilege to play with them uh, previously. We played against each other. Uh, we were the yep, first. Yep. Yeah, we were the first three brothers uh, to ever feature in the Super League. Uh, 2006, I was at Castleford, and Ian was at Bradford, and Kevin was at Wakefield. Yep. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, that, that was a, not not the best year for us at the Tigers. We got relegated by Wakefield on the final day at oh. Wakefield, which uh, my brother I've, never I've never lets me down. <laughs> oh, mate, never lets me down. He, every time we go back home, you know what I mean. He puts it on the big screen. You know, <laughs> he scored basically scored the final try that oh. put the nail in the coffin that confirmed that we were going to lose the game. And and you got Steve Mike Stevenson's commentary going. My name is Henderson, and I'm the man that's kept Wakefield in the Super League and the million pound game. And he so he put he turns up the volume for ball, and he always plays that with uh, when we got our mates around that just to try and wind me up. You know what I mean? So uh, as but brothers I, do. That, that's the way it goes. As they do, mate. We're competitive by nature. I'd be doing the same thing if it was me. So exactly. Um, yeah, but no, look. So we, we've always played against each other. Um, you know, and obviously it was a, a fantastic honour to, you know, to all play together in the 2008 World Cup. Yeah, more importantly, that we got to play uh, in my hometown. Well, we're, we're from the Central Coast, so, so am I. I'm actually um, based on the Central Coast. Oh, there you go. Yeah, so it was for me. You know, it was even more fitting that we got to play uh, the second game against Fiji uh, at the Blue Tongue Stadium there yes. in Gosford. Yep. Uh, my father at the time was. Was suffering with a with a terrible illness. Um, you know, he's he's a Scottish connection. He was born in Glasgow. Oh wow! Uh, hence hence why we were, were yeah hence why we were able to qualify to play for Scotland. So uh, so it was a real you know not only was it a proud moment to to represent our adopted nation uh, on the world stage and international stage. Obviously, to play against your, your two younger brothers was was pretty special, and for us all to feature in the game was brilliant. Uh, but also for my father, more importantly, to, to be able to see his three boys before he sadly passed away not long after that uh, was was pretty was pretty special. And the fact that actually Scotland did win that game, we won that game very That's close encounter against Fiji, and that was Scotland's first ever World Cup win as well. So oh, uh, wow. at that stage, so it was a, it was amazing. They they failed to record it. Yeah, it was it was it was amazing. It was just a, a fantastic story, you know, the fact that they, um, you know, never won a never won a World Cup game previously. We'd obviously lost our first game to France yep. uh, down in the capital in Canberra, and then obviously to get to record our, record our first uh, ever World Cup victory uh, against Fiji, who were, you know, were a good side and had some real talented players. It was a, it was a remarkable achievement, um, you know, on that day. It was a special day for, like I said, a lot of those reasons to play with my brothers and obviously uh, for my father as well. It was fantastic. 100%. Um, and most of your career was 
based over in, in the Super League in England. You know, you played for many yeah. clubs, Barrow, Salford, yeah. Ca- Castleford, yeah. Gateshead, etc. Yeah. Um, obviously, yeah. you played the most games for Sheffield Eagles and Castleford Tigers. Yeah, um, they're the two main clubs, yeah. Which of those clubs do you say um, at the time during your playing mm. time? Because obviously I can't say, did you feel a loyalty to now because you're coaching um, yeah. with Warrington. But at the time when you were playing, which team out of those two did you look back on your career and think, I had a great time at the, at that club, or was it all uh, clubs? Castleford Ti- Tigers, definitely. Yeah, it was a special special club for me. Um, just the people there. It's a hard one to explain. It's not a big town, uh, population about 40, 40 50 thousand people, uh, but yet they they tend to get a, you know a quarter of the population go and support them uh, every week. You know they're getting crowds of sort of eight or nine thousand and. Um, you know, they're just a rugby league mad town. Uh, there's no other reason why you'd probably go there. You know, it's a small mining town, but uh, it's got a proud history and, and just the people. I just felt soon. It's it's funny. As soon as I arrived at that club, I just felt an instant connection with the place. Um, just an honest, just kind of had characteristics of myself. You know, just honest. You know, genuine, hardworking. You know, um, and that was the type of player I was. I wasn't the prettiest of players. I just was a, you know, very much a, a person who just had a high work ethic, a good attitude, uh, wanted to, what had a will to win, and wanted to do the best for the team. And I just felt that that sort of connection with that club. There was just a, a a club that was always battling and and obviously aspiring to be better. And and um, you know, the the, the support, the fan, the fans there were for me were fantastic because they stuck through the club. I was there at a, at a probably a period of the club's history where. They were struggling uh, in terms Definitely, of a little yeah. bit up and down. They were in the Super League. They were down the championship back up. And it was a bit of a, t- uh, you know, a, a tough sort of few years. But the fans were so loyal and committed to that club. They stuck with the club through the good times and the bad times. And I'm really pleased now that the club is on a bit of an up now. And since they've been under the stewardship of Daryl Powell, they've, they've had some really successful seasons in recent years. And, sure. uh, that, you know, and they're just... They're still, they're still just a little bit of a touching distance away from being a big club. They still need a bit more for me investment and a bit more support and, and growth uh, to, to be a, a powerhouse, I believe, in the game. But, mm-hmm. uh, but I mean, they're punching well above their weight and doing some incredible things. Oh, uh, but the main thing for me, they're, they're, just a, a real, they're just a real good community-spirited club you know that uh, obviously the, the the club is at the heart of the community, but the people embrace it, and the and the club works really tirelessly in the in the community to try and improve, and give kids the opportunity to play and, and expose the game. And they just I just found them a really warm, family orientated club, and uh, my wife and kids enjoyed the, the the time there as well when they were there. And um, yeah, so it is a club that's definitely you know, I'm very very fond of. Uh, but like I said, you know, I've enjoyed my experiences at all the clubs I've been at, uh, oh. but certainly you know Castford for me is. Is, is one that I it's definitely special to me. There's no doubt about it. No, nah, that's fair enough. Um, now, speaking of powerhouse clubs, obviously Warrington mm. have always been up there. I mean, there's almost never not. I mean, there has been obviously a few years when it's been touch and go in general. Yep. But there's they've yep. been they've been a they've been a powerhouse. As as I mentioned earlier, there's five clubs that you think of when you think of Super League. You think of St Helens, yep. Leeds, yep. Castleford, one of the whole clubs, maybe even Salford and Warrington. Now. Given how the season has gone, granted no one saw this coming, um, and given Warrington's form, how do you think Warrington would have their season would have panned out if the season had have had have continued? Well, I think we would have been. I think we would have continued to grow. Um, mm-hmm. We sort of, you know, it's been a funny one. Uh, you know, obviously been at the club for two years. Obviously, Steve Price is the head coach, and uh, you know, the first season there that we were both there, 
Um, you know, obviously appeared in both finals, lost both finals. Year two, we won the Challenge Cup, uh, but had a real poor second half of the Super League season. You know, we, I think we only won five out of our last 15 Super League games. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was a real disappointing um, second half of the season. So we reviewed things at the end of that. We, we looked to change things, certainly from an attacking point of view, moving into this season. Uh, it took a little bit of time to to build those combinations because we, we didn't have Gaz Widdop available from the start and um, yeah. Stefan Rashford had to deputise in the halves and, and I thought Stefan was doing a fantastic job in the halves and I would have been probably... He was, yeah, I would have, honestly. Yeah, he was doing a good job. I would have liked to have uh, probably kept him in there but it's not my decision because um, he was playing some really good stuff there. Uh, but yeah, you know, I mean, obviously then Gaz's, Gaz Widdop's come in and it's you know, it's took him a little bit of time to, to build that combination with Blake Austin but I, I do feel in the last two games we've started to see... Uh, those two guys, we had a real hard-fought win at home against Castleford, yep. uh, and uh, we had a really strong performance away at Hull FC. And yes, yeah, defensively, in both defensively in both those games, we were excellent, uh, which which was pleasing because we, we were we were thrashed by Leeds a couple of weeks earlier, which was probably <laughs> I'm the a worst Leeds performance. Fan, so I'm, I'm yeah, well, it was the worst. <laughs> it was the worst performance certainly I've witnessed since I've been at the club. Uh, it was very very disappointing day at the office. But what I was really pleased with was the response of the players mm. uh, in terms of their focus and their uh, ability to turn it around. And there's definitely they could have gone the other way the following week. Absolutely. They could have gone a, nah, we're, we're shit. We got thrashed last week, you know, and they could have got yep. thrashed again, but they didn't. Yeah. No, they didn't. They showed some, yeah, against a very good Castlewood side who, as 100%. you know, they're a team that just, they are a competitive team that do not go away, do not give in. And, and that game, that did go down literally to the wire part of the pun. But that was it, a great uh, pun. Yeah, but it was, um, it really was, you know. But but I'm so glad we came through that, and then we were able to build build on that game into the Hull FC game, and and did a, a decent job there. So I just feel, yeah, we've just those last couple of weeks, just I think saw us uh, gain a little bit of confidence and belief, and and probably just to you know, settle the nerves down a little bit, and those combinations just starting to come together. And uh, it's like anything when you change a few things and how you play and how you do things, it does take a little bit of time to. Uh, to come to, and especially when the spiny team hasn't been working from the start. I mean, you know, obviously Gaz only came and joined us, you know, in like the new year, yeah, and then, like yeah, but then he was injured. Like then that, he yeah. was in. Then he was injured at training. He'd done his ankle at training, so then he was out for then the next bloody th- three. Or four, you know what I mean? So we, yeah. he's not had a lot of time on the grass to to, to work with Blake and uh, and get that sort of combination built. So, yeah, it is what it is, mate. But they're the challenges that you face with as coaching and and, and in sport. And the the great thing about yeah, the Super League is it's a long season. So generally, if you if you have a bit of a slow start, as long as you're picking up enough points that you're still in the mixer, it's really about that second half of the season for me. That's when you need yeah. to be building that wave of momentum. I've seen so many teams, so many teams come out the blocks early doors and they just fall away. And we were probably a little bit like that last season, where we were we were really strong first half of the season. We were flying, and then we just you know, we fell off the horse and we just couldn't maintain that standard level of performance. And, uh, yeah, okay, we could argue there were some things within our game that we probably could have, you know, done a bit better and, and whatnot. And we've, like I said, we've reviewed and reflected on that in the close season and looked to try and implement and make those changes for this year. And um, But, yeah, but I, I certainly feel that as a squad, I think the balance of the squad is pretty good. Um, I think we've got some real talented, quality individual players. Um, that's still, for me, learning to become a great team. I think we're a good team at the moment, and I think we're on a journey to, to becoming a great team. I think we've got the ability to become a great team if we you know, get things right and we're more consistent uh, in our behaviours and how we uh, deliver our performances. Um, and I do believe once we get that 
that recipe right, um, you know, we can become a great team. And and Warrington for me then can you know really you know, become that powerhouse that it has the ability to become. You know, at the moment we're just not quite there yet, but we're not far off. But we've certainly got the potential, and we've certainly got the ability. Um, you know, if, if we can make that happen, and if the if, if the playing group really buys into that, because uh, it's there for them if they want it. I've always I've always thought that since I've been at this club. Yeah, no, that's fair enough, and I agree. Um, speaking of the Navy potentially peaking early last season, I agree because I, I follow the NRL as much as I follow the Super League. And last yep. year, as we all know, St. Helens ran rampant last season. They were and, brilliant, St. Helens. And they were brilliant all season, CJ. Oh, they, were, they were great from start to finish. I mean, oh, that's, I that's, a hard, that's a hard thing to do, to be able to maintain that level of performance yeah. from start of the season because they didn't really even have a lull like, did they yeah. they did most teams will have a lull at some point whether it's the start middle or the end of the season yeah, like they were just they were brilliant for a while yeah like i was watching the ladder and stuff and i was like mm. maybe two or four points in it for a solid maybe the first eight to 12 rounds and then st helens just pulled away sort of thing um last season but that definitely shows promise in my opinion, for Warrington. Now, cu- cutting across to a question from a devoted Wire fan. He's a close yep. friend of mine. He, he actually lives in Warrington. His name's Stephen. He's from the Drop Gold podcast. Yep. He asks, why right. do you think Warrington will have finished this year and why if the season goes ahead? Uh, mm, interesting. Well, it's a tough one, really, isn't it? Because the... <laughs> Oh, obviously, we want to win the league, don't yeah. we? Obviously, um, that's you know, it goes without a shadow of a doubt. You want to win everything that you can, that you can, you can be involved in. That's a real tough one to say because, I mean, the teams at the moment. I mean, you know, there's no one. I don't think there's anybody really in massive red off. I mean, Wigan have, uh, have had a decent start to the season, haven't they? Toronto, uh, <laughs> Tar- yeah, Toronto have, have struggled. Uh, Huddersfield have been pretty impressive oh, early doors, really haven't good. they? They they were a big shock. But, the beginning of this season. Yeah, but then again, but I have seen this happen before where teams have come out well. I mean, Wakefield yep. used to do it a, a few years ago. They'd come out, they win like the first sort of six or seven out their first sort of nine games and they're flying and then all of a sudden win one out of the next ten games or something and yep. it's that can happen. So, uh, you know, there's still, Huddersfield have still got a bit of work to do to probably convince the, the greater rugby league public that they're a genuine contender. Yep. Um, but certainly the way they've started and the way they're playing is, is really, really good. Uh, so, yeah, they, they'll be confident they can continue to build on that. Uh, but, yeah, it's a tough one because it really is hard now because you just don't know how many games are going to be available to play. Mm-hmm. There's going to be so many variables. I mean, I would like to have thought at the start of the season, um, you know, I, I would like to have thought we would have finished in the top two. That would yeah. have been, a, you know, for, for me, would have been a, a realistic aim and a realistic uh, achievement. Um, you know what I mean? But like you said, it's it's all the be all end all if you don't. As long as you're in that top five to have a I chance of, uh, of getting it. And, and the, the key for me, CJ, is you've got to be playing your best rugby league football at the back end of that season. Oh, and once you've got that momentum and you've got that momentum and that confidence and belief, mate, you're a dangerous animal. And we saw that with Wigan Salford. and Salford last yeah, year. Salford, you know I what I mean? They say. just got that momentum. They got that momentum and they just... Uh, they're just you're just hard, you, yeah. Because your belief, you, you, the the thing is, mate. I'm a big believer in this. That once you start getting some consistency in performance, you start to build confidence, and then you build belief. And once you've got those three ingredients, mate, you are a dangerous animal as a team to stop. And uh, and I think Salford, yeah, they really just got that going, didn't they? They just got that bit of confidence. Um, you know, they started. Sorry, they got that bit of consistency in some of their performances, which then started to get them some results. Then they probably started thinking, actually, do you know what? We're, we're not that bad of a team. We're doing all right here. Then they started to get a bit of confidence because they start getting another couple of wins. And then it's like, actually, do you know what? Okay, we're a pretty good we team here. Like, we can actually we do something here. Like, then they get that belief, and then all of a sudden, like, 
you know, they just start playing out their skins and, and you, you're just a dangerous animal. And once you've got that, it's it's very, very hard to stop, you know what I mean? Um, you know, when you've got 17 players that have that, that sort of mindset and that, that that energy and that determination and desire, very, very hard to stop, you know. So, um, but again, it's key that you're doing it at the back end of the year when you're coming home for the, for the big prize. I mean, it'd be and, great uh, to do it all season, but it is key at the end of the season. Absolutely, which is which is really, really difficult. And that's why that's why I'm so in awe of that season last year from St Helens, and I, you know, for all them St Helens, for, that was absolutely games. amazing, absolutely amazing. Like to to perform at the levels that they did. From round one to the end of the season, you know, it's still it. obviously I know they I know I know they lost the Challenge Cup final against us. That was probably their little bit of a lull actually, lull period, because um, they, they they lost that and they lost a game against London prior to that, and they, they had a bit of a, that was their, probably a bit of a lull in the season for them. Um, but you know, they, they were, were absolutely they were they were, they were fantastic. Yeah, they were fantastic, mate. I mean, to maintain that that level that standard from. That many games through oh. the season, I think they deserve. Oh, it would have been a travesty the, if they didn't win it. <laughs> and as, as you said, and don't forget, you throw in the cha- the um, the Challenge Cup at the same time, which is extra. It's yeah. the extra games as well, and they still absolutely form up. You know, they made the yeah, final they did. Of the Challenge Cup. It's just they did. It's an insane they effort, did. you know. Um, t- yeah. a little bit back into your playing career. Um, I'm just yeah. reading a statistic or a, or a mention here that in your yeah. last game for. Uh, Castleford, so they, the yeah. crowd all chanted, "Sign him on." <laughs> do you remember that day? And what was it? Like? I do remember that day. Yeah, I, it was a funny one because that was, it was a strange year that year. That final year I was at Cass. Um, you know, I knew I still had a lot to offer the team and the club, and uh, and obviously Terry Madison at the at the time was the head coach. They changed the quota rules that year, CJ. Basically, mm-hmm. what what they did is, uh, the RFL decided to impose restrictions on overs. These players now. Bearing in mind, I was actually born in England. We were born. Me, my two. Yeah, we were. My family, my brothers as well. We're all born in, in England. Uh, we emigrated to Australia. Mum and dad decided to emigrate to Australia to give us a, a better opportunity and way of life. That's where we discovered rugby league. Yep. To be honest with you, we, we probably never would have discovered it living in in, in Torquay. Um, but quick, we uh, obviously. Did you have a team yep. fo- that you followed growing up in Australia? Yes. Believe it or not. Castleford Tigers, and oh. I had the old um, yes, believe it or not, it's funny enough. And I remember my granddad come over uh, to visit us one year, and he brought us all rugby league jerseys over. And I think he got, I think my brother Kevin got a Wigan one, and uh, Ian, I can't think what he got now. And I got, the, I asked for the Castleford one, and yeah. Hickson was the sponsor across the front. And uh, yeah, you know, and we all got Great Britain jerseys because we all oh, followed Great Britain, awesome. we supported them, and yep. yeah, it was amazing. So the, to get Funnily, to get the opportunity to go and play for that club later in life was quite good. Yeah, it was amazing. But, um, yeah, no, so, but yeah, that's, yeah, that, that, that year, that final year, sorry, 2008, uh, the RFL decided to change the, the, the restrictions on overseas players. And basically, cut a long story short, I was then classed as an overseas player, quota right. player, because I'd done my junior football in Australia, because yeah. I come through, I come through the academies like the SG Ball and all that, come through yeah. all that system over in Australia. Because uh, I didn't come, I didn't come back to the. I came to the UK when I was twenty-one. Yeah, it was, it was. And they basically said if you to play, they basically said if you played your academy rugby from the age of like eighteen to twenty-one uh, in in Australia, then you would be classed as an overseas player, regardless of what passport you had and all that. that so, so ter- yeah, it does suck, and I, and. Terry Madison did say it. He was honest at the time. He said, look, Hendo, I'll be honest, mate. 
you know, I'm not going to waste a quota spot on you. Look, I know you are, you're a great da-da-da-da, but, you know, we're going to keep our, which you generally do, you keep your quota players, your top-line players like that. And I knew where I was as a player. I was just a good, solid player, did my job, wasn't anything flash, you know what I mean? But I was an honest player that, you know, that, that could do a job for a team. So I was fine with that. Um, but what it did, obviously, it did restrict then my opportunity then to stay in the Super League. So I actually yep. got some legal advice. I, try, I did challenge the RFL. I challenged them and I, I tried to ask the questions of why am I being punished when I'm actually born in this country? Like, how, yeah. like how are you I'm trying to tell me now? Both I'm, countries sort of yeah, thing. exactly. Like, I'm, I'm also I'm a actually dual citizen, born. so this is actually good good listening to this. Sorry, continue. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I get it if I was, like, born in Australia, grew up in Australia, and my grandfather was British, yeah. and I'm 20, 23 to 24, and I want to come over. And, but even then, I still think you, you're entitled to an ancestral visa, I think, exactly. at that stage. So, well, I mean, I've got an ancestral, uh, ancestral citizenship because <laughs> my mum and dad are both born in England, so right, yeah, so right. So yeah, so that's what I mean. So anyway, cut long story short, you know, I was I, I was a bit miffed by the fact that I was being punished oh, just because, just because I'd done my my junior rugby league in Australia, and I actually challenged them, and I went I went I remember going to Red Hall one one afternoon to oh, go wow. and meet with with them, yeah, and they made me wait for three hours. Me, oh. me, but Kev Kevin come with me. Kev yep. came with me as well. Yep. Now, and the, the difference was he still had another year on his contract at Wakefield. I was off contract, mm -hmm. obviously, and I needed to get this resolved. And they made me wait for three hours. I thought, no, I need to. I need to front them up. So <laughs> I, I ended up finally front them up, and I just had asked the question. I said, look, why am I being punished? for doing my junior, my academy rugby in Australia. Like I said, and I'm not being funny here. I said, but surely, like, however many years ago it was, like 15, 16, 18 years ago at the time, wherever it was, I think it was around about 30, so it would have been, yeah, 12 years ago. I said, surely, like, 12 years ago, like, the academy system in Australia would have been far advanced, no disrespect to the academy system in the UK. It still is. So no wouldn't you think, so, so exactly, so wouldn't you think it would be better as a, as a British player mm -hmm. going over to Australia to do his almost his schooling and education in Australia, you know what I mean? And then coming back at 21, which I came back at 21, I was 21, almost turning 22. Mm -hmm. I come back then from, from Australia at that age to then come and play into the British game. I said, would you not think that's that's not great? I've gone over, I've done my education there in a better system, and then coming back and actually to play, and I said, and I've been playing in this competition for nine years. I mean, it's like, not like, it's not like... options in the NRL because, as I'm you know, sure people know, you were in the Balmain Tigers, yeah, I was bit, there. I had a year. Know? I did go home for one season. Yeah, I did go home back for one season and, and so, work there for no, no, for, for a no, season. And, I mean, that's true. But yeah. no, what I was saying was like you went through the SG ball, you went through that stuff. So I'm sure that there was yeah. you know scouts looking for you at some point. So you could have easily at some point picked up a contract with the ARL at the time. But possibly, you, you possibly chose to go yeah. over to to England yeah. to play in England. I did. So, yeah, I did. I chose to take my British passport and go that way, and, and that was the decision I made. But then I just felt I was being punished, you know, like for the fact that I basically played played my career in the UK. I'm born in England. You know, all I've done, the only thing I'm guilty British, of is that I've, I've learned, I've learned, I've learned my trade, I've learned my trade in Australia, and you're punishing me for that. Like that's how it felt. Um, and then cut long story short. I didn't get any movement there from them, mm -hmm. and obviously, yeah, Casper was then sort of, you know, like we, well, we can't offer you a deal with you, but still be the quota player. Tight, but that was the, you know, whether or not they did really want to retain you or not, I don't know. I'll never know that. But, you know, that's that was the kind of line they were going down. Uh, but I still wasn't going to give up on it. I still thought, well, either way, it's not right. I'm not going to stand for it because even if it does affect my career, I don't want to affect other people's in the future. Yeah. So I um, I ended up speaking to Chris Kayser, who was the former chairman of Bradford, yeah. and he was obviously – he was connected with the with, with – with, um, 
he worked for a solicitor's firm, and he had some connections in London at the High Court. And actually, when I spoke to him, he said, mate, we've got a great case here for Australian trade. And basically, it was all lined up to go to the High Court down in London. And I, oh, wow. you know, and they were they were looking after me because obviously I couldn't afford to pay all that. Yeah. Um, but they were sorting it all for me. And, uh, and, and Chris Casey was absolutely brilliant um, in, in handling that. And cut long story short, uh, the RFL ended up backing down and ended up changing the rules. So basically, anybody that was anybody that Good was stuff. here prior to the year that they were bringing the rules in. So basically, the rules stayed in place from then that point on. Yep. Anybody who'd been playing here prior to that date, um, yes, would be exempt from the rules. But the problem was that did, that rule didn't that announcement did get made. I remember I was it was it was a couple of days before we played France. Um, you know what I mean in the World Cup and. Um, Basically, um, yeah, it was a couple of days before we played France, and it came out then to say that they, um, you know, that basically uh, the rules have been changed. But by that point, I'd already joined Gateshead at that oh, stage because obviously so Castleford. It was, so it was a bittersweet moment, yeah, sort of thing. Bittersweet moment, really. Yeah, I'd already sort of joined Gateshead then for the for the following season. I mean, Castleford did end up offering me a contract, by the way. I mean, and it was right, it was true. That last game of the season, you know, the fans were all chance did the sign him up and all that kind of stuff. And it was it was that pretty emotional trying to. Sort of thing. It was hard, mate. I was I was addressing the you know because all the leaving players, yeah, you do a bit of a speech for the fans, and I was obviously thanking them for their support and I did, how much I enjoyed the club. And how much I wanted to stay, but uh, it's it's out of my hands. And the club did make me an offer. I mean, Jack Fulton did put some of his own money up to, and, and that, but the, the the offer was it was more of a token, I think, token gesture. And it was never enough for me to be able to afford to stay with my family. It shows so their, um, it shows their loyalty to you as a you mm. were like, as you said, Castleford is a working man's mm. place and town and team yep. and they the fans loved you and obviously the coaching staff loved you to the point where obviously yep. it was a token gesture but a team that may not have necessarily loved you while you were there wouldn't have offered the token gesture no i get that no i get that and to be fair there was like you said it didn't help with those quota changes either and to no, be fair to the not. yeah to be fair to the head coach too who i've still got a very good relationship with now to this day and he was honest from the start and did said if you're going to if you're going to be a quota player mate i cannot retain you and i that was fine you know and it was my fight from then to try and get myself off that that quote, which I ended up managing to do, but it was just a little bit too late, which was just unfortunate. Late, you know? but, but definitely congratulations <laughs> yeah. on that one. But hey, it is what it is, mate. You know, but I, I am one of these people. If I don't believe something's right or it's not the right thing, then I'll, I will stand up for it and, and yeah. try and you know challenge that. Which is, it's only right. It was something my father always taught me. You know that you always have got to make people accountable. You know, if it's not, you, you know, if you, you, you've got to, you know, Even you've got to challenge things if it's if, not right. If someone is struggling and they don't know how to stand up, do it for them. Help them out. You know, point him in yeah. that direction. You know, exactly. Yeah. It's in my opinion, it's the Aussie way. Yeah, well, Even that's how I've been brought up. But still, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, that's how I was. That's all. It's the working man's way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, now closing it out with a few, with a few questions, yep. few fun ones, few serious ones. Quick fun question: yep. How do you like your steak? I like it medium. Oh, good stuff. Um, yep, beer medium. of choice. Beer of choice. Ooh, tough one. Tough one. Stella Artois. Okay, yep. And what about beer of yep. choice in Australia? Still Stella Artois? Ooh, interesting. Uh, interesting. Mm. Oh, that's a tough one. I'd probably say uh, I'm going to be boring. Two is new. No, that's good stuff. I mean, I'm currently sitting here drinking a Forex Gold, but that's because it's hotter than shit here. Um, yep. <laughs> and uh, another fun question would be, if there was any gadget from any movie, be it a sci-fi movie like Star Wars or Back to the Future, yep. or even something like Rambo exploding freaking arrows, 
what gadget would you love to have and why? Oh, interesting. Um, I'll tell you what I'd love, mate. I'd love that, uh, you know, on the Despicable Me, yep. the shrink ray. Oh, yeah. I'd like the shrink ray. That'd be You know what I mean? Great. <laughs> that would be great. Um, and a, and a, few, a few questions to finish it up. Um, first of all, I want to thank you for joining us. Um, no, you're welcome. And, uh, yeah, a few, a few questions. Um, looking back on your career, um, mm -hmm. which spanned over 300 and, with 395 games in total, Plus some yep. change if you over four hundred if you include you you playing for Scotland. Um yep. so big, big congratulations on such a longevity worth thank of you. career. Um Thank you. No, no, thank you. Um I looking back on your career, what would be the one thing that you miss about playing and what is something that you don't miss? Uh I just probably miss the the com the competitiveness, you know, you know, I just loved I loved competing. Um, I loved that that sense of achievement of obviously winning, yep. um, but competing, you know, and, and playing your part in it. You know what I mean? That was the, the thing I used to enjoy, you know, coming off the field, knowing that I've played my part in that. Yeah. You know, I've competed, competed hard, played my part for the team uh, to achieve, you know, the outcome of that game. And, um, and that's something you probably, as much as you can control certain things as a coach, um, you don't have that same... You know, you don't have that same sort of input uh, impact. Just, sorry, you, that you, you can you do just as want a player. To run onto the field and do it, but you can't. Yeah, you kind of sometimes. Sometimes you are in like the hands of the rugby gods to, to help you. You know, because you yeah, you, there's only so much you can control. You know, obviously you've got to try and get your players in the right mindset, physically, mentally. Um, you've got to obviously have the tactics that you need to employ to, and you need to be able to adapt as well in the game. You know, with maybe those tactics you originally envisaged were going to work aren't working because the opposition of maybe they've changed something how they want to do so you know and then you've got to be able to think on the run and, and get those messages across but ultimately you are relying on those players to either take those messages on board or you know adapt themselves when they're out there to, to figure it out and um, because you've gone through those different scenarios at training but you are relying a little bit on that whereas when you're a player you know that whether if you're coming off the bench or if you're starting or whatever you know that you can have a direct influence and impact on that game you know and that's probably the the difference between the two of coaching and playing but that's something I feel I miss as a player is just having that ability to have an impact on a game but um, but also just that Get competing hard and, and knowing that you've you've done your bit for the team when you when you when you finish the game, you know, I do miss that. No, that's fair enough. Um, and I guess let's go with one last question. What what would be advice that you would give to kids that are wanting to get into the sport and try and make it in the sport into the big leagues? Um, I, the advice I'd say is that is probably. Uh, Believe, believe in yourself. I think that's one of the big things. Is you've got to, for me, you've got to have desire for the game. You've got to, you've got to love the game. Um, you've got to believe that you can do something. Uh, you don't have to be the best player technically, tactically. You know what I mean? You don't have to be the most gifted. Mm -hmm. You know, the the thing for me is if you, hard I think if you're honest, honest, hard, absolutely. I think if you're hard, if you're honest and you're willing to work hard and willing to listen and ask questions, that's yes. one thing as well. I'd encourage young players is ask questions. You can't ask enough questions. Get as much knowledge as you can out of your coaches and out of your out of your other teammates, and don't stop learning. Don't think you know it all. You know what I mean? Because you, you see some kids who who get ahead of themselves because they think they know it all. They think they're better than where they're at, and and they're not. You know, you, for me, it's about staying grounded. Um, so the key things for me are hard work, honesty. You know, 
be coachable, be willing to learn, listen, um, you know what I mean, and, and strive to improve. Just always strive to make small improvements, you know, all the time, uh, like you said. And I think those sort of characteristics, I know as a coach, I look for that in players. And, you know, that's going to get you somewhere rather than being a real talented player. And if, you, if you're a talented player but you, you're not willing to work hard or you're not willing to do the little things or make those little sacrifices, you know, for, for the team, then, you know, you're probably not right for the team. So, yeah. No, that's fair enough. And... I just want to thank you very much for joining us here on the final tackle. You're welcome.